Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is going to be a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard. But before we get into that, thank you for listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. And what would a week be without Rick Maynard? Uh, it'd be terrible. Terrible. <laughs> I can't. We can't live without it. We're addicted now. We're completely consumed with the verse by verse by Rick Maynard. Yes. Verse, verse by verse is where we go through the Bible. Verse by verse, very complicated. But we are in First Kings chapter nine, and uh, we're starting to rip through that chapter. So again, we're just encouraging guys to get into the Word, whether it's reading it, your Bible app, a program, when your Bible, something like that. Just getting into the story, getting into the Word. So let's do it, Rick Maynard. Okay. Well. We won't spend as much time in uh, chapter 9 as we did in chapter 8. It seemed to have stretched out a long ways, lots of information. <laughs> and some of the things in uh, in chapter 9, we started last week, and we got about nine verses. But uh, So we're on verse uh, 10 through 13. I feel this one's going to be so special. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crack open a oh, ice-cold Mountain Dew there mm-hmm. just for this one. You didn't bring me one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so this is, uh, we're still talking about Solomon's story here. It says, at the end of 20 years, during which Solomon built these two buildings, the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, King Solomon gave 20 towns in Galilee to Hiram, king of Tyre, because Hiram had supplied him with all the cedar and pine and gold he wanted. But but when Hiram went from Tyre to see the towns that Solomon had given him, He was not pleased with them. What kind of towns are these you have given me, my brother, he asked. And he called them the land of Kabul, a name they have to this day. So uh, this is uh, a relationship between Hiram and Solomon, and this goes on for years. This is not just a a friend he met. They have one deal, and they're done. We'll find out that his name comes up uh, several times. But uh, 20 years that it took to build the two buildings. And, you know, we think that's crazy, and it is in our time with, you know, modern technology that we have and how fast you can put up a building. But, you know, in those times, I mean, 20 years plus, it just tells you uh, how much detail there was. You know, we've read, and and a lot of people are kind of bored, and we read through it pretty quick with uh, how much gold and how much silver and what things were made of. And, you know, sometimes people get a little tired almost of hearing that. But, But it just brings it back to... What a great place uh, his palace and the temple were to mm-hmm. take that long, to take 20 years to uh, to complete. You know, I'm a carpenter. If I took 20 years to build somebody, I <laughs> think I'd be in trouble. But um, might be I f- built two houses in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. It might be uh, uh, worth a lot more money when it was yeah. done, though, with inflation. So anyway, um, you know, and, and this is kind of an odd story because – it's talking about Hiram not being too uh, happy with Solomon here. And, uh, you know, it's almost like after all I've done for you and then this is what you give me, these, uh, you know, wouldn't you know better than to give me these inferior towns? I mean, why? I thought we had a better relationship than that. And uh, and part of it was that it's forbidden to give any of the Holy Land to Gentiles. So Hiram is a Gentile. So there's there were certain restrictions on what Solomon could even uh, do and they had already had financial you know dealings and it's like well aren't we square here so these are more gifts in addition to some of the things but um, and Chronicles talks about uh, cities that Hiram had given to Solomon so 
it's like they'd had some exchanges of cities, so you don't get all the story. And again, if we went to Chronicles, we'd be here forever trying to get through all of these uh, stories if we read the additional information. But uh, so it was more of an exchange of of cities. But um, and, and then there's if you read some of this, it says that he wasn't really given the cities, but he was given the produce off of the cities. Uh, you know, there's just some debate about what all went on in these transactions, but. Um, the, but they said that in truth, Solomon farmed the land and it produced much. So it was what appeared to be inferior, what appeared to be not such a great gift actually turned out to be something. I mean, Kabul means uh, muddy land where your feet get stuck or infertile land. So he thought uh, that Solomon was giving him something. And I think Solomon, I, I don't know whether it was a, uh, kind of a slap in the face, but almost like, you know, you're complaining about this. I'll, I'll show, I'll farm the land and I'll show you just how good this land was that I gave you Mm. what you're complaining about here. So, um, so it says, uh, verse 14 says, now Hiram had sent to the King 120 talents of gold. So this is even back before, uh, the issue with the, the exchange of land. So it's kind of like, well, I've already given you all of this, and now we're, you know, you're kind of working me over with this land deal. But um, I, I always calculate this out because when it talks about talents of gold and those kind of things, 9,000 pounds, and it comes to $212,112,000. So, I mean, it is, it just blows your mind really when you look at these stories and the amount of money that these people had. Mm-hmm. And, I'm not sure who we would look at, but I heard on the news this morning, uh, Michael Bloomberg is spending seven million dollars a day. Yeah, campaigning. He said he spent up to four hundred million at this point. I mean, how? <laughs> who has? I mean, you know, we think if I had a million dollars, I could live the rest of my life, you know, without any trouble. And somebody's spending seven million dollars to get elected to a position that's going right. to pay whatever it is. So, I mean, I, it, it's just beyond our comprehension, really, when you start looking at some of these numbers. And uh, and that's in our time. You know, maybe it didn't buy as much back then. I don't know. but He's billionaires, I tell you. Yeah. That's why I'm a Bernie Sanders guy. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we maybe. Better, you, you'll never know. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to tell you who I'm really going to vote for. We don't talk about that here. So. Uh, 915. Here is the account of the forced labor King Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple, his own palace, the supporting terraces, the wall of Jerusalem, and Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. So um, it, if, if you look at the original Hebrew, it says this is the account of the tax. So when it's talking about forced labor, and we'll kind of come back to that, but when it's talking about forced labor, it's really talking about uh, working your tax out, uh, if you read the original Hebrew in it. Verse 16 says, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had attacked and captured Gezer, he had set it on fire, he killed the Canaanite inhabitants, and then gave it as a wedding gift to his daughter, Solomon's wife. So Solomon is married to the daughter of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's already, um, this is kind of the first wife, if you would, among what's going to become many, and again, we'll come back to that for sure, but this Gezer was a stronghold of the Canaanites, the where, you know, when they came into the land of Canaan, God said to drive out the Canaanites from every place in Canaan. 
and they refused to do that. I don't. I, I, well, I'm, I don't know if they refused or if they just tried and failed. But there were some cities that were still uh, Canaanite. There were still Canaanites there, and so they were. I mean, it wasn't as if every time they found a Canaanite after that, they you know they drove them out. Some of them became slaves. Some of them were able to live there peacefully, but it was still always a disobedience to what God had said. And, you know, I know we talk a lot about Old Testament, New Testament, our times and the Old Testament times. Uh, you know, I can't imagine God um, in our time, God going in and saying, uh, you know, uh, I want the Christians to go to Joplin and wipe everybody out. <laughs> you kill everyone, men, women, children. I mean, yeah. You, what what is the word um what is the word for that when you wipe try to wipe out a um oh, I can't remember the word. But anyway, uh trying to wipe out a complete mm-hmm. tribe of of people. I mean, in our time that would just be crazy. Yeah. to think about that. But back then it was just God worked that way and it seems cruel to us. But you talk about saying, well, I guess God knows what he's doing <laughs> right. uh, in those situations. But they uh, failed to do what God told them to do. That was the bottom line. And probably some sympathy on their part. Probably, well, I don't know, God. I mean, these people don't seem so bad. You know why? I mean, I can't, I can't kill that lady. I can't kill that child. You know, they don't seem so bad to me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it always comes back to haunt them in some way. That's that's the problem, and that's yeah. what God knew. And so uh, that's why those kind of commands. Verses 17 through 19, and Solomon rebuilt Gezer. He built up lower Beth Haran, Baloth, and Tadmor in the desert within his land, as well as all the store cities and the towns for his chariots and for his horses, whatever he desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon and throughout all the territory uh, he ruled, so it's it, some of this is just some geography, and if you know if you're going to pull out a map and look up all these places, I normally uh, don't do that myself, so I couldn't identify all that. But um, one of the things about Solomon too is he didn't just rebuild the rich cities; uh, he was a man of, of up to a certain point, <laughs> a man of honor and uh, a man of equality. You know, he tried to take care of everyone, and so this was part of it that it's like, well, I'm not just going to build up, you know, Kansas City, if you would. I'm going to build up Carterville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take care of the little places as well as the uh, the big places. So, um, so he had a he had a concern for people and not just prestige. Mm. You know, he it wasn't just about saying, well, I own Kansas City and I own St. Louis. It was about you know, I also own Carterville and Carthage and Webb City, and, you know, I've taken care of those places right along with everything. And one of the things that, and we'll just mention it because there's a lot of information, a lot of talk about it, you know, coming up. But if you, <coughs> excuse me, if you look at um, Solomon's life, and we know because uh, we know what's coming up in these stories, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard all the stories. And you just slowly, because you know the end, you wouldn't see it here if you didn't know uh, Solomon's problems in the future. But it, it starts out, even in here, it says, um, 
this uh, and the towns for his chariots and for his horses. He begins to build up. He begins to buy. He begins to store up chariots and horses, and which is against God's command. Now, maybe he hasn't violated anything yet, but we would say it in our time when we look at someone and most of the time looking back on it, and that would be the same thing here if we didn't already know, but most of the time looking back on a story, we can say, you know, I, I saw that coming. Mm. You know, yeah. I noticed that little I noticed that little thing that Pastor Jeremiah, you know, his, his failure in that area, and we may not, uh, if I sat here today, I might not say, man, <laughs> I can see you going down the wrong road. Yeah. But later on, something happens, and you look back and say, I, man, I was a little worried about that. I, mm. I kind of saw just a little hint of that in his, you know, in his life. I, we can think about it in the area of uh, uh, cheating on your spouse, that we can say, you know, he was, I always, after I found out he cheated on his spouse, I always thought he was a little too friendly with the ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, you see those things. And so for Solomon, I, I mean, we can just say it again. We're not ruining the story here, but for Solomon, he's going to, uh, begin to buy horses and accumulate those kind of things that God said not to do. And again, God knows, and I'm sure he yeah. probably thought that laws doesn't apply to me. You know, I won't let it get to me. But uh, 9, 20 through 23, man, we're flying through the verses today. <laughs> All the people left from the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, those people who were not Israelites, that is, their descendants remaining in the land whom the Israelites could not uh, exterminate, these Solomon constructed for his slave labor force as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of any of the Israelites. They were his fighting men, his government officials, his officers, his captains, and the commanders of his chariots and charioteers. They were also the chief officials in charge of Solomon's project, 550 officials supervising the men who did the work. So uh, the Israelites had obviously failed to drive them out. The Canaanites were poor. They would basically lost everything that they had. Uh, they might not have driven them all out, but, but they, they had lost things. The Canaanites were known as poor people. So even in that, Solomon has mercy on them, and he begins to use them as slave labor now. We always think of slavery as, you know, a bad thing Mm -hmm. with bringing black people from Africa and making them slaves and treating them cruel. So our word of of a slave uh, doesn't have a good uh, feeling for us. But this was really done uh, out of mercy because it was not a monetary tax. In other words, he didn't say, um, you know, everybody else is paying taxes, so you Canaanites— are going to have to pay taxes too because they were poor. He let them work off the tax. That's what they became a, a slave labor in paying their tax, which is, you know, could be a pretty awesome thing if you, uh, if our government would say, hey, you know, you owe these taxes, we'll give you a job and let you pay off the, you know, the taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a mistreatment thing, but a mercy. Thing mm-hmm. and allowing instead of coming in and saying we're going to take your house, we're going to take your car, we're going to put a lien on everything that you've got. Uh, instead of coming in and doing that, 
then they, he gave them jobs and allowed them to work off their uh, debt. So what you call tax in these verses had to do with uh, tax debt that they were working off. 924, after Pharaoh's daughter had come up from the city of David to the palace Solomon had built for her there, he constructed the supporting uh, terraces, so she hasn't been living in the palace yet. Uh, all the the terraces, for whatever reason, I guess for appearance' sake, I don't know if it was a you know you hate to think of, or you don't think of flooding issues in the desert, but they would build an embankment up and then build the houses and the temple and all those things on top of that embankment where it's set up you know higher than the ground. So that's all that's talking about there. Eight or nine uh, twenty-five. Three times a year, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings on the altar he had built for the Lord, burning incense before the Lord along with them, and so fil- so fulfilled the temple obligations. So this is a feast of uh, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. That's the three uh, that he would be required to attend, required to uh, sacrifice uh, the animals. If... With all that was done, it says basically that it wasn't complete until uh, the sacrifices were made. In other words, we can do all this. We can do all the um, logistics of building a building and uh, you know doing all those kind of things, but until the, the sacrifice or the praise for that was given, it just wasn't considered complete. Mm-hmm. It would be... It'd be kind of like, I know we've been talking about, you know, an anniversary coming up here for this church building of 40 years. It would be kind of like we just build a building, move in, never have any kind of ceremony yeah, or celebration, dedication okay. or, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it almost seems like, man, how did we let that go? You know, I'll give a shout out Stella's mother is uh she'll be 90 on Saturday so wow. we're having a big family birthday party for her tomorrow and you know it'd be like that's a kind of a milestone I mean mm-hmm. when you start reaching yeah, those things uh and it'd be kind of like eh, just another birthday you know and and so for for these things the praise and the the worship and the sacrifices and all those things that went up after things were complete is when uh, those things happen. So, and then I, I read in one of the commentaries that said, throughout his whole lifetime, Solomon provided for all of the public sacrifices in the name of the Jewish people. So, you know, this, it's almost hard sometimes to read all of the good things about Solomon because we know <laughs> that he, that it doesn't last. We know he turns uh, at some point and doesn't, doesn't do the right thing. But it just seems like, you know, when you're looking at this here, it's like, man, he just, what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, he's given gifts. He's building a palace. He's built a temple. Uh, he's brought the sacrifices. And now they even believe that he provided sacrifices his whole lifetime, even things that he didn't have to do. He still came and and did those things. You know, it would be, I suppose, a pastor who left the church and wasn't on the payroll anymore, but still just kept coming back and doing things for the church and and giving money and you know all of those kind of things. Um, they still had a passion for mm-hmm. for things uh, going above and beyond. I guess is what 
he didn't have those requirements, but he just decided yeah. that he wanted to do those things. So, uh, 26, King Solomon also built ships at Ezion-Geber, which is near Eloth in Edom on the shore of the Red Sea. Um, this is a lot of people believe that Solomon, most of his wealth came from the ship industry. Okay. Wow. Now, you know, you can say, well, God gave him. Well, he did, God did provide, but I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, people who they pray for the Lord to help them financially. And then they go look in the mailbox expecting there to be mm-hmm. a check, <laughs> you know? And so I think for Solomon in, in wisdom, God can give you wisdom to, to make money. But God doesn't always just drop it in the mailbox. Now, those things do happen. I'm sure there's people out there everywhere who would have a testimony where, you know, God just provided something, you know, money or food. Mm-hmm. or I could give testimony to that myself. I've had, they used to call it a Holy Ghost handshake. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not. But yep. the Holy Ghost handshake. You know, I haven't was, got one for a while. Yeah, well, you're <laughs> probably going to not starting today either. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you don't know what a Holy Ghost handshake, that's a handshake that transfers a little money in the handshake. But but I've had people knock on the door. Uh, I lived in Arkansas one time and dirt poor. I live in, in uh, government-assisted housing and, you know, just didn't have a dime to my name. And uh, the rent was $26. That's how poor I was wow. <laughs> at the time. And I, one day the youth pastor came over and knocked on the door and had two or three bags of groceries, and and he was very kind because and, and this was a the, the thing that impressed me so much. It was a big church. I mean, it, they ran about eight hundred. I was a nobody. I mean, I just kind of came there. They didn't really know me, but they knew there was a need. And when he knocked on the door, it was like we um, we just bought too many groceries, and we had the stuff left, and we just thought maybe you could use it, you know, instead of trying to humble me by, (laughs) you know, we heard you were poor and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, I've had those kind of things several times in my life. And a lot of times I've, I've sat and wept after that because it's like, I don't want, I mean, I don't want to be in a position that someone has to do that for me. (laughs) You know, I want to make my own money. I want to make my own way, you know, live my own life not that I'm too good to accept it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. It was like, Lord, I just, I don't, I'm thankful, but I don't want to be in this position to, you know, to have to have a handout, in yeah. other words. And uh, so we've had those things. And, and uh, that's the kind of guy I think that Solomon was. But I think in his wisdom, God directed him in the shipbuilding. He was involved with, well, uh, verse 27, and Hiram sent his men, sailors who knew the sea. Uh, to serve in the fleet with Solomon's men. So, you know, they've had some business dealings, and now they're still in business in the ship building and sailing and probably, you know, transporting merchandise, whatever uh, whatever it may be. But Solomon has used his wisdom to make money, not used. A lot of people have just enough wisdom to figure out how to live without working, mm-hmm. you know, how to beat the system, if yeah. you would. And uh, I'm all for government assistance and those kind of things when it's needed but some people know how to work the system you know i've seen i've seen people on disability that are healthier than i am (laughs) you know it's like i don't 
I don't understand why it is they can't work. Or I've had, you know, renters say, you know, they're on disability, but they'll say, hey, if you got any work that I could do to work off part of my rent, and it's like, well, if you have the ability to work <laughs> yeah. off part of your rent, why are you on? Anyway, don't get me going there. Don't get me going. But um, the last verse of chapter 9, they sailed to Ophir and brought back 420 talents of gold, which they delivered to King Solomon. Now, that is 31,500 pounds of gold, and it figures out, and these are numbers that don't come, won't come on a calculator. So it's 7.4239200, and it comes with a little E over the top of it. And somebody told me that that just means to the 10th power. Wow. So it, it's all those millions and millions <laughs> or trillions and zillions and wow. to the 10th power. In, in these numbers so beyond what any of us can even like say i've i couldn't figure it out because i kept putting the numbers into a calculator and you'd put them in it would come up so big it's like well what is, i don't know what that number is i don't understand what that number is mm-hmm. and uh, so it's really so far beyond our comprehension on how much money it was involved in all these things so we'll go ahead and we got a few minutes we'll start on chapter 10 boy Whoa, look at that let's do it Finished up one and started another one all in the same Praise day. Praise God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that must have been the boring part of the Bible, so we just <laughs> read right through it. That's all that stuff I didn't need. So, you know, that part of the Bible that doesn't apply to me. Yep. Isn't that what people say? Well, that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> First Kings 10, 1. Uh, this is a change in the story. So you go right from, okay, shipbuilding and money, and now the Queen of Sheba shows up. When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation uh, to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Now, it's it's kind of the way it goes sometimes. Somebody hears about the the fame and the prosperity, and all of a sudden they want to, you know, question everything. And I, there's there's debate about the Queen of Sheba, whether she was a person who was really trying to trip him up Mm-hmm. Whether she was, you know, like, oh, he can't be that good. I'll, you know, I'll show him what a good person. I don't really think that. I think she really did respect him for what he did and who he was and what she'd heard. And she's just basically coming to see. But, you know, when, when somebody's, uh, he's prosperous, he's got a relationship to the Lord. Uh, isn't that when they come with the hard questions? Isn't that when... I'm not trying to make a relationship here to the Queen of Sheba with with the devil, <laughs> but isn't that the way the devil works? Mm-hmm. When things are good, when you've got a good relationship, when prosperity is is there, when things are going good, and I, you know, I don't mean to say, oh man, uh, you know, when things are good, you better watch out because the bad news is coming. You know, <laughs> I don't believe that either. But it does, I think that's when the devil does come. It's when things are going good and things are looking good and, and you feel good about the way life is going. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, I mean, the question always is why would he come if, you know, why would he come after you if you're already down? Right. You know, <laughs> he's already got you. So, and, and the hard questions, I think those questions um, are, are those questions. Kind of like, why would a loving God allow 
whatever. You know, you can fill in the blank. Why would a loving God allow this? I think maybe those are the kind of questions she came to him. Hmm. You know, she'd heard about his prosperity, but it says uh, his relation to the name of the Lord. So she did respect him for his um, ministry. Yeah. If you would. The only, I like to look at like a bunch of different versions. The only one that I mm-hmm. found that was in, interesting, which I don't read on a regular basis, is the Wycliffe Bible translation. Have uh-huh. you ever read this one before? I don't think so. Okay. It says that, and the Queen of Sheba, when she heard of Solomon's fame regarding his knowledge concerning the name of the Lord, came to test him with dark and doubtful questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, uh, well, we will find out. He was able to answer those. But, mm-hmm. but you know, the, there are questions, and I I don't know where the verse is, but there's a verse in the Bible that says to not argue about unanswerable questions because people want to, well, you know, I remember when I was a kid, can God make a rock so big that he can't even <laughs> pick it up? You know, I mean, those are those kinds of things that are unanswerable questions, but that's what people want to argue about. And sometimes it's like, you know, I can't answer that. Don't don't ask me if you know why this child is has got cancer. Don't ask me why uh, someone lost their loved one at an early age, or you know, don't ask me. Those are unanswerable questions. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, and and that's where faith comes in. I mean, that's where our faith struggles because we really want an answer. I mean, mm-hmm. we really want to know why. It's hard for us to just sit back and say, well, you know, God's in control. Yeah. I mean, we say those words, and they're easy words, until we're in the middle of a struggle. And then we still want to say, why? Why, God, would you do this? Or why, God, would you allow this? So so I think for the Queen of Sheba, I'm not so sure she's, you know, that one sounds more, you know, dark questions yeah. <laughs> and those kind of things. But uh, it sounds like to me she has a lot of respect for him. Um, in verse 2, it says, Arriving in Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. You know, Solomon doesn't need anything she's bringing. I mean, he doesn't need any more gold. We just read about the money that he was making and the gold and the ships and the palace and everything that he has. Uh, you know, the question, what do you buy someone who has everything? <laughs> you know, what's she going to bring him that's, you know, I, I think there's, uh, well, Sheba, the town, the place of Sheba was known for spices and gold. Maybe it was a different type. Maybe it was something that Solomon didn't have access to every day. So, uh, and we've mentioned uh, before how kings or presidents of countries when they meet, they usually bring each other a mm-hmm. gift of some kind. And it's probably a gift that's not necessarily. Of course, I almost laughed because if we <laughs> if we went to China and got something from the China guy, it's like, well, we could have bought that in the United <laughs> States because so, <laughs> everything's made in China. So so anyway, I, I mean, she was, uh, uh, I think she has enough respect that she came bearing gifts, whether he needs them or not. She's just showing that kind of respect between Mm-hmm. She's a queen, he's a king, and I think she's, you know, I don't know if she's buttering him up or whatever you want to call it, but uh, 10-3, Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And I love that because uh, it, we call it 
someone getting schooled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, somebody comes along and they're trying to be all cocky and smart aleck about things, and then all of a sudden the other guy just, you know, tears them apart with good old common sense uh, things. And we see it right now with politics, like we see politics. We love it when somebody just, you know, <laughs> yeah. brings something up that it's like that person has nothing to say because you just schooled them, if you would. Uh, we we talk about that more on a sports level or something, that somebody mm-hmm. got schooled yeah. on the basketball court. You yeah. know, they thought they were so good, and somebody came along and, you know, showed them what good was. But, but anyway, um, uh, you know, and I, we'll finish with this, but with all – I think God had to do things when he did things because in today's world, I don't know if you watch uh, America's Got Talent or any of those kind of shows, but they have those people on there who are, uh, they call it clairvoyant and mind readers and things like And I, I don't know how legitimate, I, I don't know whether somebody really is reading a mind, how much trickery, uh-huh. yeah. but I'm telling you, some of those things are just beyond belief that they can do things and are almost manipulate people to say just the right thing. And I think in our culture today, if, if we heard a story about Solomon and all his wisdom, we would just say, it's just a trick Mm -hmm. because you know, if we, (laughs) if we saw Moses with the serpent and the water turning to blood and all those things that happened, we would probably say, it's just a trick. I saw a magician do that the other day. Right. You know, and so I think things probably had to be done when they were done because in our culture today, I mean, can you imagine if Jesus was raised from the dead today? Yeah, right. People would, well, you know, mm-hmm. they they got all this <laughs> medicine. They can make you look dead and they can revive you. And I mean, they said that anyway. Yeah, it was but, edited video. Right. I mean, so anyway, um, uh, there, there are special powers that do come from God, and then there's special powers that are not from God. God does do prophetic things, but it's usually to lead you to Him, not to show off. In other words, so yep. we better wrap it up right there. Was that a test of my faith? Uh, you know, whether I watch American Idol or not? Was that? Are you trying to Queen Sheba me right now? Yeah, was, difficult I trying, questions. Yeah, I was trying to. <laughs> I was trying to trick you into saying something. Yeah. You know, it's that. That's what we were talking about earlier about that that downfall. Right. If you're watching that, we know it's we know it's headed the wrong direction. So, all right, guys, that's verse by verse. We made it through a whole chapter in one episode. That's awesome, wow. and we're going to keep going through it each week. Rick Maynard, myself, verse by verse, Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you next time.